Next on BYUSN, almost the perfect weekend for BYU sports. Cougar football loses in Stillwater in double OT. No bowl game. So where does the build for a better 2024 begin? ESPN's Trevor Maddich joins us to discuss. Plus a Vegas victory. BYU men's basketball wins the Vegas showdown and continue to move up the metrics. We'll react to the hot start from Mark Pope's Cougars. Women's volleyball closes out the regular season with the road sweep and earns a top four seed in the NCAA tournament. Can the Cougars get back to the Sweet 16 this weekend? Yeah! And some of the stars of BYU's improbable women's soccer comeback join us in studio Brecken Mozingo and Olivia Way Katoa. Welcome to BYU Sports Nation, presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. It is Monday, November 27th. Hope you all had a fantastic Thanksgiving holiday and a long weekend. I am Spencer Linton. He is a man who has finally defrosted from Friday night's fun at Southfield, Jerem Jordan. It wasn't as cold as you'd think because it was snowing. If it was just like in the 20s. No, it, it was cold. Don't get me wrong. But like, what a night. What a comeback. Um, why did BYU make it so hard on itself going down 3-0 early? Down 3-0, I thought, has the game-winning goal already been scored? Probably. And BYU makes this improbable comeback, matching the greatest comeback in NCAA tournament history in women's soccer. It is the greatest game in BYU women's soccer history. It is the greatest goal in BYU soccer history by Olivia Wade-Katoa until they win the national championship in a week from today. Then that becomes the greatest game. <laughs> and that game-winning goal becomes that, that the greatest. That narrative shifts. Yes, then it, you build on it. But what... What a comeback, man. Like, unbelievable. Eric Blanalda yes. tweeted about it. Like, so many people nationally. Incredible uh, response. Uh, thought about this. I was shocked, though, the Sports Center gave it no love. I was expecting a top 10 play, a mention here, nothing. A little disappointed, frankly. Well, you know what? There's this opportunity for BYU to go and. Uh... I guess force the narrative so that they have to get mentioned on Sports Center if you win a national championship. In the right? end, who cares? But um, yeah, I, I, Sports Center loves to mention that stuff. They I know. think I that think was the only bummer outside of football from the weekend. Yeah. I love how the bracket is set up because BYU had to beat Utah State, the team that beat them in the regular season, yep. and get some vengeance there. And then they matched up with North Carolina in a situation that has not been ideal for the Cougars the last two times they met up with the Tar Heels. Anyone with UNC in the Elite Eight. They, they found a way. Two of those in 33 times. Now they get another team that's given them fits in the NCAA yep. tournament. And frankly, for a long time in any match, and that's well, Stanford. Beat them in PKs last year. So Stanford wants revenge too. Beat Stanford again, and then I'm hoping that BYU gets a rematch of Florida State yeah. in the national championship. The, the bracket is fascinating for sure, yeah. but what a weekend. Oh, my gosh. Awesome. Beginning with that just wild Friday night. All rise and shout. Let's get to what's trending. Much good. Almost the perfect weekend. Almost this close. That close. And What's me on a shoe. Ugh. Oh, so close. What's trending? Presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. We've already chronicled some of it. A wild weekend doesn't really begin to explain just what BYU sports went through. Mostly awesome. But let's go through it chronologically. Friday night, BYU women's soccer pulls off one of the most dramatic comebacks in the history of the game in the NCAA. 
and they beat North Carolina 4-3 to to advance to their second-ever College Cup. It was remarkable. Jeremy called it. It was so much fun. Wild. Crazy how that united the fan base, and, and just everybody had something to say, understandably, after BYU was able to do that. Volleyball and football watch parties, they're going crazy. Yes. It, it, it was fun. Everybody was watching. Everybody connected there. And uh, I talked to a bunch of people. They were like, dude, I tuned out, and then I found out we won. Like, that's what happened in the Miracle Bowl in 1982. Amazing. 1980 as well. Yes, yes. It I knew, like I knew I what you 82. meant. Not in 1982. In 1980, well. comma, T-O-O. <laughs> 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 then uh, a few hours after soccer pulls off just an unbelievable win, men's basketball wins the Vegas showdown in a very, very North Carolina hard-fought game. <laughs> Fought, I choose as an operative word there, to beat NC State. Okay, so you get that one done. BYU women's volleyball takes care of business at TCU. They eventually clinch a seed in the NCAA tournament. And football had an 18-point lead at halftime in Stillwater. They're going to deny Oklahoma State a spot in the Big 12 championship game. Sooners fans were celebrating like BYU fans were a little bit too early, and then they watch it slip away in double overtime. But Women's hoops as well. Women's hoops. It stays unbeaten. Dominant they're, win in the they're fourth. They're 6-0. Six BYU six men's nine. basketball 6-0. Women's basketball 6-0. A little, little stat of the day coming up later on that. Mm-hmm. So as you look back at the wild weekend, Jeremy, what do, you, what do you make of all of this for the athletic department and BYU well, sports as a whole? The, the women continue to carry BYU. Uh, uh, soccer, volleyball, cross country did amazing. Basketball is off to a perfect start. Um, incredible. Men's basketball way better than we thought, right? Um, and and women's soccer is the headline of, of the weekend. But football, unfortunately, lost. So let's let's talk about that. That 18-point lead really gave you hope that BYU was going to win. Like, this was what North Carolina felt, uh, up 3 nothing. But in football, that would be like up 30. Um, but what, what BYU, unfortunately, did not do in the second half is move the ball with the regularity that, uh, that they did in the first half. And the defense had a couple of takeaways. Obviously, the Eddie Heckard... Uh, pick six is awesome. BYU turned it over. Only gave up a field goal on what drive well, one or two. So this is a bummer. You go to double OT. Uh, you know you. So a couple things that happened here that were significant. BYU can't do jack squat in the second half yet. They can muster a drive to get the game time field goal, and they blocked the PAT to to give them a field goal chance. Yes. Like that sequence was incredible. Then you get to OT. You exchange touchdowns. Score first. Then Oklahoma State scores. But you stop the two-point conversion, meaning you get that touchdown and you convert. You win, baby. At worst, you go to a third OT where you're just starting to – is it in the third OT you just do two-point Yeah, just, just two-point two conversions. Yeah. yeah. So it's, it's frustrating the last two weeks that BYU played pretty well. Like second half, obviously, BYU doesn't play well. But plays pretty well the last two weeks against ranked teams from Oklahoma. And you don't get one of those two to get to a bowl game. Like, BYU very well could have gotten both of those games. But to not get at least one of those in the last two weeks was really hard. And, again, I look at the last kind of four games for BYU. Those were teams two, three, four, and five in the Big 12. Those are good teams. BYU plays the last two tough. Jake Retzloff takes strides into the offseason. Much more conversation on him coming over the next couple of weeks and months, right? But – Proud, proud of the effort, and, and, but ultimately, obviously, BYU loses, and that is not enough. It is disappointing and excruciating not to make a bowl game. This team was good enough to win six or seven, and unfortunately, they did not. 
I'm going to talk about this with Trevor Maddich in, in just a little bit when we bring him back onto the show, but the margin of error in Power 5 football is so razor thin. because It's, it's like the schedule matters. <laughs> I wish I had talked about this before. For sure. In the last For sure. six years. But think about how close yeah. BYU is to being 7-5 and five compared to where they finish at five and seven. And I know BYU snuck a win against Arkansas. So maybe it's that just should have been a loss. Just think about how close BYU is to being six and six. I mean, just give BYU one of the two games that they finished out with against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State. Like one one play changes the game against Oklahoma. You take away the hundred yard pick six, very different scenario. Maybe maybe BYU doesn't win the game, but it's they don't lose it because of the pick six, right? right? Yeah. Because they tied the game after that. Could BYU muster one score in Stillwater this past Saturday in the second half? Because I felt, the last I felt at BYU, I said at halftime, they just need to score one more time, one more touchdown, and this game's over. If they had, yeah, get to 31. This game's get over. Get to 31 in regulation, and you win. If BYU scores one more time, one more touchdown in the second half, it's any, anything, any way, doesn't matter how ugly it is, I do not think there is enough there for Oklahoma State. There's just not enough time for Oklahoma State to overcome it. Yeah. But they could not do it. They just they could not find a rhythm in the second half. Yeah. And that's why it's so wildly frustrating for BYU fans is because BYU was in prime position to win both games in the last two weeks against ranked Oklahoma teams. This is a good it's team. Unbelievable. You, you had Oklahoma on the ropes on your home field, couldn't do it. And you absolutely, I mean, you had landed knockout punches, several of them. Oklahoma State had been knocked down multiple times in the early rounds. You just needed one more big-time throw, and they couldn't, they couldn't make it happen in the second half. A lot of frustration from the fan base about uh, you know the second half kind of play calling. BYU uh, rushes the ball five of the seven drives there to, on first down. Or threw um, it. They threw it on five of the sorry, seven. Sorry, threw on five yeah. of seven. Yeah. Um, you know, di- didn't rush enough or whatever. It's like, ultimately, just get a first down. Whatever you think Aaron Roderick, BYU needs to do in that moment, like, do it, and hopefully the players can execute it. And it didn't happen, unfortunately. Yeah, that one's going to be a tough pill to swallow and is going to be one that BYU fans are thinking about for a long time. Yep. The, la- the last two weeks specifically, because they are that close to being probably um, – matched up with Cal or UCLA in the Independence Bowl, and we're talking about, hey, BYU can win seven games, and they got to a bowl game in their first year, and the narrative is so different. One game, and, and the whole narrative yeah. around BYU football is so wildly different. Yeah. But we sit here and think, ah, five and seven, disappointment. They were so close. Now where does the rebuild begin? And that's why we have a lot of you, shows. <laughs> you've, you've got to look at what changes you need to make on the staff. For sure. And then you've got to hit the portal, and then you've got to recruit Excellent freshmen that you build in, uh, you know, behind them, ready to go in a couple of years if they're Michigan kids first or a freshman out yeah. of high school. So there's a lot of work to be done. The portal opens next Monday. There so are you don't you don't have time to to mess around here. You got to make uh, whatever changes you, gotta, you, you gotta feel like moves. you need to make now. Yeah. There are there are encouraging things for sure. We'll talk to Trevor Maddich about all that in just a moment. And again, most of the weekend was awesome. Yeah, I'm not here to be encouraged about football though. I, I am disappointed on Monday. Um, I will I will look to the future later, but not not today. Meanwhile, men's basketball wins the Vegas showdown, beats NC State by nine after trailing in this game by double digits. Uh, brings home a trophy. Let's go. 6-0 on the year. Ken Palm, number 10, going to be ranked in the AP poll, yes. we think, in the next hour. They might be in the top 20. Could be. Um, that was awesome, too, to, to blow out Arizona State, beat NC State. 
BYU's on the radar. Like, people know about BYU now. It's not sneaky. Like, last week, BYU was sneaky. Now, I, I've, I've seen tons of stuff where it's, B, people it's are everybody. like, okay, look at BYU. Like, listening to and reading the commentary from the likes of Seth Davis and Jeff Goodman and Joe Lunardi and all of these guys, Sean Farnham obviously called the games yeah. in Las Vegas. So. These prominent national figures have all said BYU is a top 25 team. They are overperforming. They have surprised us all. 6-0. and And again, it's not like BYU has one good win, Jerem. Like three, it, I would argue three good wins. By the way, that play was so good. Jackson Robinson, that was worth the technical. I don't even care he got that the technical guy, foul. That guy started talking, so Jackson uh, blocks it, dunks it, yells in the guy's face. I loved it. This is the sign of a veteran team to me is the ability to withstand early punches, which NC State threw. Like BYU was not playing. Why, why well. you gotta go to punches like that? Hey, well they're in Vegas, right? It's always it's <laughs> the title bout, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Tiki on Thursday, right? <laughs> the title bout in, in Vegas. Okay. <laughs> you go there. I'm not going there. Uh, that's pretty obvious. <laughs> no, you take when it. When you there. say punches with no, 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 BYU, no. it's pretty no, obvious. No. Yeah. Uh, but what I love is their ability to battle. Like. Where they would have kind of faded in the past, it's like, ah, they just don't have enough. They answered right back again and again and again and just kept making big shots, and they're doing so without Fus Traore in the lineup, by the way. Uh, question about his hamstring, right? Question Noah about, Tiki because of the suspension. Yeah, although he, he's in the uh, room right there on the right, so there you go. Ali Khalifa hasn't practiced in like three weeks. Not expected to get on the floor anytime soon. And but by he necessity, it's like, hey, Friday. Ali, can you go in and play? And he makes a huge impact. Yeah, he was he was good. Like like BYU is so good right now on both ends of the floor. Crazy efficient. Everybody knows their role. They're playing good team basketball, rebounding well, shooting the three well. They're so fun to watch. Like I am so happy for these guys who have just heard how bad they're going to be. And they have rallied around that idea. And now they have a real shot at doing some damage in non-conference of maybe 12-1, and 13-0. You look at where BYU is in some ranks in the country. Are you kidding me? Margin, threes, uh, a game, assists, rebounding, scoring. Like, these are all things that matter. Like, BYU and Noah Waterman is the guy that they thought he would be when they brought him here. Sometimes we forget. Sometimes it takes a year. Listen, I love it. It takes a sec sometimes. Like yeah. maybe in football that's what happens next year. It's like, "Oh, it clicked for so and so and so and so in this offense and this whatever." It just takes a moment, and this is not going to be the 13th worst uh, team in the Big 12. I don't know if they're like in the top 6 or 7. I don't know if they're going to be that high, but like if you always the eighth best team or whatever, they're a turning team. If you always like, the eighth best they team they are in the tournament. Yes. Like Absolutely a tournament team. Um, we have a lot of ball to play, though. We have the Big 12 to see as well how BYU stacks up there. Hopefully you're healthy and keep going, but awesome, man. They so rebound so and they play defense like so crazy. So they, the energy is amazing. And you bring up Noah Waterman. I love that he's making threes, Jerem, for sure. Like, we knew, like, oh, big man that can shoot threes. Like, he did not shoot the ball well until he got to Las Vegas, but he was playing better because he was defending and he was playing f- with physicality. And that's what they worked on he all offseason. Great now. Noah, you you are not just a three-point shooter. Now you're primarily a defender and a rebounder. And he has shown that he Jackson is. Jackson Robinson, too. He's not just uh, I'll just chuck it from three guy. Only team. BYU is the only team, I believe, right now in the top ten in adjusted offensive efficiency and adjusted defensive efficiency in Ken Pomeroy's metrics. That's unbelievable. Is BYU the best team in the country? I'm kidding. It's <laughs> fun to watch. Team rankings I'm, I'm says they're this. right there. <laughs> I know. Team rankings is like the biggest blue goggles ever, dude. I love it. 
our question of the day. One seed! How would all of you sum up this weekend within BYU sports? Lots of highs. Some understandable lows of football, but mostly highs. So how are you summing it up? Alex Beach on X answers, a weekend of comebacks. BYU women's soccer with a miraculous comeback. Men's basketball with a great comeback in spite of injuries and suspension. And a comeback for Oklahoma State. <laughs> that ends BYU's football season. Ugh! Highs and lows, but as always, hashtag go Cougs. Yeah, what a weekend. Uh, unbelievable. Hopefully Foose is okay and, uh, you know, Football, the offseason has unfortunately begun a little early. Yep. It's also Mailbag Monday where you ask questions. We answer some of those. Gary Oliver on Facebook asks, did BYU football specifically rely too heavily on the portal this year? I don't think so. If they had uh, people they trusted uh, coming up as kind of freshmen, sophomores, they would have gone to those guys. Like Isaiah Vong Pachon versus Ace Micah Kafusi, Isaiah Glasker. Like, those guys yeah. didn't have the experience and skill quite yet that AJ had. So, like, Eddie Heckard greater than Moribamba, like, readiness. Like, Moribamba hopefully will be ready next year, um, and so on and so forth. The portal, the portal and the lack of chemistry from the portal and all the new pieces was more tough to overcome on offense for BYU because of the – all the quarterback position yeah. and the receivers and the running backs, like all of that stuff. That, that, there was more to overcome there on defense. I mean, you plug and play Eddie Heckard and Cam Garrett and A.J. Vongpachan. A.J. and Jackson Cravens and Isaiah Banya. And all those guys played huge roles and made important plays. If, if BYU dips into the portal heavily, that's because they didn't feel like the guys coming up are as ready as the guys they can bring in. I hope that some of the young players that BYU brought in through the portal – Speaking of football specifically, yeah. stick around. Because now, then, then you start handful, to build something. Right? Like, then you start to build something. But, yeah. yeah, we'll see. Hopefully the guys that BYU brought in last year that do have more eligibility are not going elsewhere, and they're staying here. Because then the chemistry starts to set A certain in. portion will go. It's just uh, who's staying. Hashtag hey. BYU on an X, Facebook, and Instagram. F Further Review is going to review further after <laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> 7 Eastern, on the BYU TV app, the Oklahoma State game. Oh, yeehaw. This hurts. It hurts! So close. Up next, another Dude. edition of Maddich Monday. We'll recap the double overtime loss, look back on the season as a whole, and where does the off-season list of things to oh, do Oh, play of the game right there, dude. This is BYU Sports Nation. Batty, what's he doing jumping there? This portion of BYU Sports Nation is presented by BYU Food to Go, the MVP of your next event. A tough one, to say the least. We are live in Studio B with your day-to-day -day BYU Sports play-by-play. -play. I'm Spencer Linton alongside Jerem Jordan. In so many ways, this is a winning Monday, except for with BYU football, who were not able to hold on to an 18-point halftime lead. That said, we bring in ESPN college football analyst and insider Trevor Maddich to help us determine what the heck happened and maybe what BYU could have done differently there in the second half to hold on against Oklahoma State. Trevor, good to have you on the program. We'll start with that one. Uh, what, what do you make of the second half specifically, and where could BYU have made an adjustment to win that game and be bowl eligible? 
the biggest adjustment I think was just execute. I mean, they executed in the first half and the second half they didn't. And part of it was because Oklahoma state made some adjustments, especially on defense, but there's only 11 guys on defense somewhere. They're going to have a conflict somewhere. They're going to be weak. You have to find that spot and hit it. And so there's a lot being said about how BYU threw the ball on first down so much in the, in the second half and it was incomplete so often and things like that. And they should have run it. Okay. You, you can make a case that with a big, strong offensive line, there are plays you can run when the defense stacks the line. And a lot of those are counters and powers and things like that. When you're pulling people around and creating a convoy through the point of attack. But at the same time, if the defense comes up to stop the run and BYU ran the ball really well in the first half, then they should be weaker in the in the secondary. And so when you're running RPOs and things like that, the read takes the quarterback to a pass. The play caller will be thinking, okay, you're up to stuff the run. We're going to take advantage behind all those guys that are up to stuff the run. And at that point, you just have to execute. From a defensive standpoint, it comes down to doing your job. I mean, the defense for most of the game was absolutely fantastic. You expected them to wear down in the second half. But you expect them to to not miss assignments and have the reason that they they get beat on certain plays be that the other side is really good, which Oklahoma State is, especially at running back. And the blockers for Oklahoma State are really good. That offensive line for the Cowboys is, is very underappreciated on a national basis. But at the same time, make them block you out of the hole. Don't just leave it. And BYU did that a number of times. It's pretty wild that Ollie Gordon, the, the second, runs for uh, you know 4.9 yards per carry, and we're like, hey, that was pretty good. Uh, <laughs> monster game, 34 for 166, five touchdowns. But defensively, BYU did great work uh, in the first half, getting 10 points off turnovers, a pick six there. Uh, the offense also turns it over two times eventually, obviously one in overtime, double over T, that it cost BYU, but... Turnovers almost got BYU an opportunity in this one, but blowing an 18-point lead is really sour to end the season because a bowl game was on the line and Oklahoma State had a lot to play for. But how would you kind of summarize the opportunity that BYU had uh, the last two weeks, frankly, against Oklahoma and Oklahoma State and unfortunately didn't come up with one of those ranked wins? Well, you're right about the, the competitiveness the last couple of weeks. I mean, both Oklahoma and Oklahoma State weren't playing BYU in a position where it didn't really matter that much if they won or lost. They played BYU knowing that they had to win to stay alive for the Big 12 championship race. And BYU had Oklahoma right there in the palm of their hand, and they kind of turnovered it away. And with Oklahoma State, they had them. And then in the second half, they let it get away. What that tells you is that BYU is competitive. And they need to fix a few mistakes. And if they fix those mistakes, they can stay competitive. Now this, you know, you talk about that second half and, and the defense, I want to be very careful to not make it seem like I'm being critical of the defense. They were magnificent for pretty much the entire game, but down the stretch, when guys started to wear down, guys started to try to do too much to compensate for that. And that was a problem. The last three touchdowns that Ollie Gordon, the second scored were because somebody left contained. They just left it. Once it was front side contained, once it was backside contained, it's not that they got blocked out of the way. It's just they decided to come inside because the ball seemed to be going there and they wanted to help inside. And Ollie just jogged around the edge and scored three times between that final touchdown and then an overtime uh, in regulation. So uh, th this is where you look at the execution. BYU was, was there. They were there in both of these games. 
but turnovers in key moments, lack of execution in key moments, and they lost their opportunity. Remember how BYU has to win. They have to win by being cleaner than the other side. And they weren't in either of the last two games, and they still were in position to win. And I think that's probably the most frustrating part for BYU fans is just being right there. And the margin of error between BYU being 7-5 and five and 5-7 five and seven or even 6-6 six and six is just so ultra thin. So with that said, Trevor, how does BYU build off of year one in the Big 12? Uh, and maybe in your opinion, what is item number one on the offseason agenda list? Well, item number one beyond recruiting is – focusing on the things that cost you the games. We always talk about how more games are lost than they are won. And BYU too many times this season turned it over even early in the first couple of plays of a game, even that turned into defensive scores in the first couple of plays of a game. And they did it again against Oklahoma State, fumbled the ball on play two. And so these are these are things that they need to take care of. I would love to see a program instituted where if somebody fumbles the ball in a game all the next week, they have to carry a football around campus. And <laughs> everywhere they go, except for when they enter a classroom, they have to hold that ball high and tight and squeeze it as if it's being ripped out. And then every once in a while, hey, if a student comes over and tries to hit the ball, hit the ball. You know, don't hit the player. Don't grab his arm, but have him just poke at the ball every once in a while, Right. I would love to see that happen because this goes down to guys trying to make a play when you're running with the ball and you see an opportunity and you try to just hit that opportunity as fast as you can. Very often the ball comes away from your body a little bit to give you a little bit of extra balance as you're trying to burst or as you're trying to drive through a hole. And when that ball comes away from your body, just a little bit is when it gets punched out. So it needs to be a better habit. So we start there. And the second thing is, uh, once again, it's, it's, it's assignments. Do your job. Trust your teammates. Understand that you can't just leave your job too early to help somebody else because that, that hurt BYU at key times, especially on defense all through, the, all through the, uh, the season, certainly the second half of the season. And then the offensive line's got to get a whole lot more effective. They're going to lose some real talent. You know, Kingsley going off to the NFL, I assume, and, uh, and, and others. They're going to lose talent. But the offensive line, even if it has less talent next year, can be a whole lot more effective. And so they need to get that shored up because this season should have been one where the offensive line put the team on its shoulders and carried it. And that means helping the defense as well. That means the O-line saying, look, our defense is kind of thin. We've had a lot of in injuries, especially up front, and then it's safety as well. We as an O-line need to make sure we pile drive the opponent, we keep the ball, we get time of possession, we string out long drives to help our defense, and those things were extraordinarily rare this year, even though they should have been much, much more common than they were. So that's something that needs to be settled in. The, the good news about all this is that it's all very cut and dry. There is no mystery as to what needs to happen mm -hmm. here. The biggest mystery, I think, is, well, not mystery, but the, the, they need to figure out how to get stronger and stay healthier. And so I think there needs to be a reflection on how the strength and conditioning program is run. I'm not saying anything's being done Im improperly there at all. I have no idea what they're doing with strength and conditioning. I can say that sometimes you do too little or you do too much. 
And either way, it can lead to more soft tissue injuries than you should be having. So there needs to be an evaluation there just to make sure that everything is happening the best way. These things that I'm telling you are not mysteries. These things that I'm telling you are, are absolutely clear what the coaches need to do and what the players need to do in order to get better. And right now begins the team of 2024. And they need to start working on those things immediately. Jake Kretzloff started the last four games. Uh, BYU goes 0-4, but those were tough games. You're playing the second, third, fourth, and fifth place teams in the Big 12. Those are all good teams. Did he show you enough to feel like he's the guy going into the offseason? And or does BYU need to bring in a transfer to compete with him for the starting job with the other quarterbacks already in the room? BYU needs to bring in as many people as they can to compete with every position on the field. Competition is critical for a couple of reasons. One is it, it creates more depth, but also it creates a better scenario with the starters because the starters know that if they don't compete correctly in practice, they might lose their job. They might lose some playing time to the guy behind them who's also very, very good. The danger you have is if you've got a position where you've got one really good starter and nobody behind them, that starter is not being pushed in practice and that has the potential to lead the problem. So Jake did a lot of good things. I am not saying that he did poor, poorly. I'm not pointing a finger at him at all. I am saying that they need to bring in as much talent as they have. They need to develop the current talent they have in that quarterback room to have a, a, a ferocious competition at that position. That will also be an example for the rest of the positions because a lot of people would think that Jake kind of should be the guy. He had those starts. He came close to beating Oklahoma and Oklahoma State down the stretch. Okay, good. He's got the experience. Let, let's move forward with Jake. They may decide that. But if they decide to throw open the competition, then it'll show the rest of the team what Jake, if he wins it, is made of. Or it'll show the rest of the team that every position is open to competition and coach Satake will make sure that every position is populated with the best player that will help the team win the most. And he owes that to the rest of the program. So there are a lot of things that Jake can improve on. I mean, a lot of things, but at the same time, I think he deserves a lot of credit for going in and competing the way he did. Trevor, it's great to talk to you. We'll finish with this. If you had to define this season, the first one in the big 12 for BYU in a couple of words, which words would you choose? Disappointing comma, encouraging it was disappointing that they lost the last five games it was disappointing that they they won some of the games the way they did uh, early in the season but the last two games i think were incredibly encouraging playing oklahoma and oklahoma state and being right there with the ability to win those games but for mistakes that byu itself made i think that's incredibly encouraging because there's a lot of conversation about how it takes a long time. It takes many years to get ready to compete when you move up from group of five to power five level, essentially. BYU showed in these last two games that they're a whole lot closer and maybe even ready now to compete at the highest level of this conference, as long as they clean up some of the mistakes that they're making. So uh, I am. Th there are no moral victories. The team would not want to be heard saying anything like that or believing it. But as an analyst and as a fan and as a person that went to BYU and played there, I am encouraged by these last two weeks because I can see the path to competitiveness at a high level in the Big 12. Trevor, we always appreciate the insights and are grateful for your time with us. And I know our fan base really looks forward to Maddich Mondays. No disappointment once again today. Thanks, my friend. Thanks, guys. Trevor Maddich of ESPN on BYU Sports Nation. We always need a, someone that's bearded just on the show. We, we can't be. We need someone. And that's his beard looks fantastic. Beard. Yeah, it looks great.
So we appreciate that element of Trevor as well. Yeah, Maddich Mondays have been a focal point and uh, one of the, the things that have helped carry our show during football season. He's a huge part of it. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, uh, we didn't think that BYU would start 6-0 in hoops, right? But here we are. <laughs> and the Pope Show is Thursday. They're going to have a lot of awesome to talk about. Fresno State in Salt Lake City Friday, but some big wins in Vegas over the weekend. The first solo Pope Show coming up Thursday night, 8.30 Eastern on the BYU TV app. Thursday night. And look, we, we know BYU football lost the game, but there were some unbelievable moments, including the fake punt. Does this somehow make up for the fake punt failures of the past? This is BYU Sports Nation. BYU Sports Nation is presented by the BYU Store, official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Make sure you follow BYU Sports Nation on the socials, Facebook, X, Instagram, YouTube, and TikTok. Welcome back to Studio B. I am Spencer. He is Jerem. Let's roll out your Monday headlines. BYU football loses the season finale to number 20, Oklahoma State, 40 to 34 in double OT, ending the season at five and seven, two and seven in Big 12 play. Tied for 11th where they were picked. Yeah, baby! The Cougars led 24-6 at halftime, gave up 21 unanswered, blocked a PAT to make it a three-point game, and then a 48-yard field goal, sent it into OT. This marks the first time BYU to not make a bowl game since 2017. Disappointing. Hey, special teams were that special. And Will Farron's on scholarship. That's awesome. Yeah. Let's go. Will. I, I, need, uh, I need a video of that. I need a, yeah. Like the Washington kicker. On to Cougars in the NFL. Tyler Algier, 10 carries for 64 yards in a 24-15 Atlanta Falcons win over the New Orleans Saints, which featured Taysom Hill who had 26 rushing yards and 55 yards receiving for the Saints in that loss. Jamal Williams rushed six times, or, or had six rushing yards, rather, and four receiving yards. Puka Nakua caught four passes, 27 yards for the Rams, and a 37-14 win over Arizona. Sione Takitaki had six tackles in a Cleveland Browns 29-12 loss in Denver. Kyle Van Noy continues to play extremely well. Three tackles and a pass breakup for the Ravens in a 20-10 win over the LA Chargers. Jaron Hall, Kyrus Tonga, and the Vikings play the Chicago Bears tonight on Monday Night Football. One seed women's soccer pulled off an incredible, miraculous comeback Friday night, trailing 3-0 after 20 minutes. Bella Felino scored a brace, Brecken Mozingo scored an Olympico, and Olivia Wade Katoa completed the fourth unanswered goal in the 89th minute to win, sending BYU to its second College Cup in three years, 4-3 against North Carolina. The Cougars play Stanford Friday at 8.30 Eastern on ESPNU and BYU Radio in Cary, North Carolina. Beat the tree! Number 16 BYU women's volleyball beat TCU. A sweep on Saturday to wrap up the regular season at 24-6. 13-5 in Big 12 play. The Cougars led by Aaron Livingston's 13 kills. Yesterday, BYU selected as a four seed in the NCAA tournament, which means They'll host the first and second rounds, beginning with Weber State on Friday night. You win there, you get the winner of Arizona State and Georgia on Saturday. And we're doing all those on ESPN+. Plus. Let's go. Basketball men won the Vegas showdown, coming from behind to beat NC State 95-86. Jackson Robinson's career-high 23. BYU shot 70% from the field in the second half. Foose left the game in the first half with what looked to be a hamstring injury. Noel Waterman, MVP of the showdown. Trevor Nell made the all-tournament team. Up next, 6-0 BYU taking on Fresno State Friday night at the Delta Center in Salt Lake. Let's go to 7-0. Women's basketball also trying to improve to 7-0. They're 6-0 right now after a 16-point win over former WCC foe LMU. 18 points from freshman Kaylee Wilson, who continues to just be incredible. She was 7-9 of nine from the field. 
Four for five from the three-point. She's shooting 60% from the three-point line. 60% on the season. She missed two free throws in a row, and you could hear her on the mics go, oh my gosh. Lauren <laughs> <laughs> Gusson had 15 points and 15 rebounds for the Cougars. Nani Falate made her season debut and scored 11. Up next, a trip to Laramie to play Wyoming tomorrow night, then at Utah on Saturday. Why are we playing games at Wyoming in any sport? What are we doing? It's happening in football as well. Those are today's headlines. Okay. Now we whip the Cougar Whip Round presented by Marisk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Did Saturday's fake punt make up somehow for Johnny Linehan's fourth and 19? No, the only thing that will make up for that is if BYU attempts another fake punt on fourth and 19 and they convert. Then we can start against talking Boise about State. <laughs> But BYU ain't playing Boise State again. I don't, I don't even need to be against Boise State. Just if you do something Anybody? crazy like that, sure. But it's got to be inside your own 10. This is pretty awesome, though. Which, is Tyler Baddick trying to get hurt in the uh, below the belt here? He's like, I thought the dude, I thought the dude was going to go after my ankle, so I'm like, I'm going to jump no. over him. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> what we... That was the like funniest play. It was so good. Oh. Where do you expect BYU men's basketball? Also enjoyable. We laughed yeah. a lot watching yeah. them beat NC State. Where do you expect them to be in today's AP poll? What did you say earlier? I think they're going to be number 20. 21? 20. 20? 20, straight up. Uh, I'll go 21. Okay. 21. Yeah. What, you guys hey. will be ranked. There's no question. Like, it will happen. I promise you. They were two spots where out last they week. Are. Two and spots a out last week. A bunch of teams lost. Yeah. Give me a top 20 team, Jerem. Yeah. Hey, speaking of uh, women's hoops at Wyoming, you can listen to it on BYU Radio. We've sent Jason Shepard to Laramie, 8.30 Eastern time on BYU Radio tomorrow. His favorite trip of the year. <laughs> Up next, uh, let's dive into the unbelievable yes! soccer match. It happened. Senior stars Brecken Mozingo and Olivia Wade-Katoa help complete the improbable comeback. Our in-studio be to look go. back on a wild win and another College Cup preview. This is BYU Sports Nation. This portion of BYU Sports yeah. Nation is presented by Maersk, your e-commerce logistics shipping partner. Welcome back to BYU Sports Day. So we are live in Studio B. Joining us now. BYU beat North Carolina after down 0-3, dude. I heard that. I can't believe it. How many of you doubted and turned off the TV? I or can't left? believe it. They they did I'm, it. I'm still never doubt this team. The the amazing nature of that on that stage against that team. against that team in the Elite. Yes. Now they get Stanford. Joining us now to recap it. Mm. We'll see if they've actually come down from the high. Our stars Brecken Mazingo and Olivia Wade Coteau, who scored the game winner. I mean, just unbelievable stuff. Welcome back to the show. How are your emotions after just a wild Friday night, now that you've had the weekend to kind of think about this? We'll start with you, Olivia. I don't even know. I feel like we keep just saying, like, did that really happen? Did we really do that? But we did, and so I don't know. It's just been – it seriously has been a crazy weekend just accepting that that happened. So it's been great. It's been Reckon, fun. But by nature, you're very calm and collected. But, like, mm -hmm. did you lose it? Did you lose your mind on Friday night? I mean, yeah, like I got emotional, low key. I feel like a lot of the seniors did just because being down three at like three at half, like I, I guarantee most of us probably had some doubts in our head, but then we just came out and played and then just like having that perseverance throughout the whole second half and coming out with a different step, like yeah, it was just a wonderful experience, especially so, your senior season. Oh, so at halftime, Anson Dorrance says, hey, we're surprised we're up three nothing too which was pretty, uh, you know, honest. He called it a fluke. Yeah, and then he said, because he respects BYU, and he said, listen, we're going to put our two sixes back. We're going to put the Emilys back. They let you do your thing. They let yeah. you guys uh, push forward. It took 40 minutes to score, right, from the 20th to the 61st. 
But once you guys got that first goal, like when did the belief sort of happen? Maybe it was before that, but when did the belief happen for you guys of, hey, yeah. we can still win this? Oh, I think really getting that first goal. I mean, in half at halftime, like there was a few of us, me, Breck, and Jamie, a few of us that kind of stayed in after everyone had already gone out to the field and were like, hey, like we can still do this. Like this is something that, you know, we we can do. Obviously in your mind, it's like, okay, this is, we got our work cut out for us, of course. But I think after that first goal, we knew that the momentum had completely shifted. We knew that we were on these guys and we knew that they knew that, which I think was mm. a really cool thing too. That's and crazy. So, it was still three to one. Yeah. But, but you felt it. You could it. feel it. You really could There's feel still the hour. game yeah, shift. And so I think as soon as we got that first one, we just kept telling each other, okay, one more. We got one more. Just focus on the next one. And then the next one came. Let's said, talk about it. Yeah. Brecken was English right here. You score off the corner. Yes. What was that like? Um, well, first I was like, I was just thinking in my head, I have to get this inside the six. Yeah. Because that's where they packed yes. nine, oh, yeah. of, nine of the that's 11. That's always my goal. Yeah. Every time I'm getting up there to take a corner kick, and honestly, I psych myself out sometimes, and then, you know, things happen. But um, I don't know. The way I hit it, I just felt my body, like, shift and, like, you know, hitting a curved ball, you feel the way that your body like falls through and I was just like wait hold on this one's different <laughs> for sure and then it starts curving in and then I see that it just goes in because I start walking like <laughs> forward to see if it goes into the goal and it did and I was just like okay now we're on three two let's go yeah but yeah it was it was great okay so that second goal you watched that Olivia oh, yeah. she scores on the Olympico and it's three to two in my mind at that point I was like BYU is not losing this game now. No way. Like, I thought maybe it it'll, three, it'll, three it'll go to me. overtime. Maybe it it'll go to overtime, but I was me, like, yeah. there's a third in there. North Carolina's on their heels. I felt like a third was for sure going to happen. So what's happening yeah. in your mind after you see that go in? Well, as soon as that went in, it was just like, okay, we're, like, at that point, I think we had, like, what, maybe 10 minutes, something left. I don't even really remember. But at that point, it's like, okay, we're one goal away from tying this thing up. And, like, okay, if we don't finish this in regular time, then we still have overtime. And so I think pushing for that third goal was like, Okay, like this is coming whenever. I don't care when this is coming, but we knew we we really felt that that was coming. And so as soon as that third goal went in, it was like, all right, just full send. Everyone just go go go. <laughs> yes, we full we send we can fill. I mean, you score three goals in that time period. You're like, there's there's a fourth in there. There's got to be one more yes. in there. So and the crowd, the cr once you got the first, the crowd like cranked it up. Oh once yeah. Once you got yours, Brecken, it was like at a hundred already. Yeah. And then when Bella Felino scores. A brace, and she got engaged by the way earlier this. Best week, week ever. Best she had the week of her life. So good, right? Once the third is scored, then I felt what you felt was like this thing's over. Yeah. So 89th minute, you pull what you did against Utah. What last year, right? Two. 89th minute game winner. When, as soon as you score, you put your hands on your face, like you knew what that meant in that moment. It felt like yeah. immediately. Yeah, I did. I think it was just like a rush of emotions. You obviously have to stay composed throughout the game, and you know. I think just as soon as I saw that hit the back of the net, it was just like the floodgates just came open and I just almost was in disbelief of what we had just accomplished because that is yes. seriously like the craziest story of all time. Like you really can't write that up any better. You know, you're down 3-0 against arguably one of the greatest, not even arguably, like the greatest, the greatest. program historically in, yes. in soccer, women's in any soccer. sport in the NCAA. Yeah, ever. like they're, it's legendary. <laughs> they're so. unbelievable. I think just as soon as that went in, all of us were just like, holy moly. Like, this is <laughs> But you didn't crazy. say moly in your head. Yeah. Okay, right. <laughs> Maybe right, not. You fake the right and you go to your left. Talk about the touch. that decision. The first touch was so beautiful. 
Yeah, well, I mean, I, I, I knew that Macy Bell was right there and I knew I had to create some sort of space for me to get any sort of shot off. And so faking the right foot, kicking it to my left. And then I just seriously, the, I could see the window and I just was like, okay, hey, just take a deep breath and place it in the corner. It's like, it's all right, you can do this. And so it was, it seriously was just the craziest feeling seeing that hit the back of the net. So. It was bonkers, <laughs> As man. you can imagine. <laughs> yes, it was bonkers. Olivia Waikato and Brecken Mozingo are with us on BYU Sports Nation. Okay, Brecken, let's go to the final seconds. Like, you realize, okay, there's no way the North Carolina can score. The final seconds are going are gonna to come off, and we're, we're going to win. We're going to win this game. What's happening in your mind at that moment when you hear the final buzzer? Um, first off, I was tired. So I was just, like, <laughs> standing in my spot a little bit more conservative about, like, okay, we just got to kick this ball up. Um, manage the game, all that good stuff that Jen Rockwood tells us. But yeah, I, what was going through my head was like, crap, we did that, you know? Yeah. We're on the College Cup for the second time, like within our senior group that we've like taken BYU to in history, like yep. twice within our group. Like Amazing. that's huge. Our core group is just awesome. And seeing that all happen again, it was just, it's just like a wonderful, um, feeling. You mentioned you, you got emotional. the greatest group. Oh, under, w- without question. Yeah. You mentioned you got emotional. When did when did the tears set, finally set in? Definitely, like just seeing the emotion of the other seniors on the team, and like realizing like how much fight went into that game, and how much like we've been through in the season, and just together, like the past mm-hmm. three years. I'm just like, oh my gosh, like we get to live to see another game. You know? Yeah. We have two more games possibly in the season, and we're so close. We can do this. Okay, Friday and Cary, North Carolina. Stanford, you beat them in uh, PKs. They're on a revenge tour. They've been the bane of BYU's existence for a long time. Yeah. And then uh, if you get past that, uh, perhaps Florida State. Uh, yeah. Yeah. 21. So this could be a very fun college cup. Yeah, I mean, I think when we saw the path that we had, when we first saw the bracket, we were like, okay, this is like it's almost the too perfect. ultimate yeah. revenge tour. Like, it doesn't get better than this, especially senior year. We're like, okay. Genuinely, you could not have written it up any better. So we're so excited to play Stanford. They're an amazing team, amazing program. They always have been. I feel like I would put them up there with the North Carolina. They're another very strong program. And so I think, you know, coming off of this high with so much confidence and just ready to play another game, I I think we're going to just give it everything we have again. So, What's the game plan on Stanford, Brecken? Um, I'm not sure yet. We're only reveling in this one, yeah. But I'm sure it's just like, you know, what we've set out to do in every single game this season is just go out, play our best, and execute our cues and yeah. play together as a team, be all in. I never asked uh, how, the, how beating USC went in the uh, household there for you. Oh, it was great. My husband, he, played at USC. well, it's funny. We have a lot of USC gear, as you can imagine, in our house. And <laughs> I, I do wear a lot of USC gear at, house, at the house, okay? So this, I made sure that whole week. I was like, okay, nope. no USC gear for me and no USC gear for you. So <laughs> we packed up the USC gear for a week. And, yeah, so he, he's, he's the most supportive person ever. Like, yeah. he wouldn't think twice about cheering for anyone besides us. So he was, no, he was that, so funny. That, he kept doing funny. like the, you know, fight on down. He was just, he was being so funny about it. So uh, he, he's <laughs> da, 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 da. Yep. <laughs> I hope there was some celebratory, like maybe you didn't go all in on Thanksgiving, but I hope you got to like just gorge on pie and all this stuff after Friday night. I hope just, I hope you celebrated to the max. <laughs> <laughs> Tried to at least. I think yeah. I was. We were. It was a tiring game. So the, the next. Were you guys cold by the way? Like, 
Oh yeah. So cold. Yeah. Freezing. How about Lavenny? Except for lava. La Lava's like, like no sleeves. What? That's I, lava. Tongan International too. In warm ups, I was like, why do you have your thermal off? And she goes, I honestly just got hot. And like the thing is, <laughs> that's the before the game, she was like freaking out, texting the group chat, hey, who has my cleat bag? It has my thermal in it. Like I'm just nervous for tonight. Blah blah blah. But she didn't even need it, so. <laughs> yeah. she, she was She's tough. built different in She's... a lot of different ways, so she, yeah, she was fine. She's tough, man. Uh, we're so thrilled for you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Congratulations. Good luck Friday. Thanks, guys. Good luck Appreciate Friday. Remarkable go. win. Ah, so cool. All right, uh, obviously soccer is a huge part of the weekend. How would you sum up the entire BYU Sports Weekend? We'll answer more of that right after the break. This is BYU Sports Nation. Hi, the BYU Store. Official outfitter of BYU fans everywhere. Welcome back to BYU Sports Nation as we wrap up a very busy Monday show. We should note a little bit of breaking news. BYU men's basketball in the coaches poll, number 19. Okay. AP poll is expected out any minute. That's could, awesome. Could man. be a top 20 team in both major polls. Great. They deserve it. They deserve the Big 12 roundup. We're just going to recap who won. And I won. Yes. Six to four. I so I was six of seven after going perfect last week. You were on fire. If I were a gambling man, and I'm just going to stop it right there. <laughs> okay, so I win the it's season. It's not as frowned upon as it used to be around these parts. I'll tell you that. Prop picks, we tie. 3-3. <laughs> three, three. Okay. Uh, our question of the day. How would you sum up this weekend in BYU sports? Our elite voice of the day presented by PAX Healthcare Elevated. Yeah. Dan Mortimer on Instagram says, pretty awesome overall. End of the football game was a bummer, but the total sum was great. Yeah. It was almost perfect. Almost perfect. Yeah. Today's Rise and Shout Out presented, like you, by, <laughs> <hardly>. <laughs> presented by Mountain America, the official credit union of BYU Athletics. Got to hand it to women's soccer. What an incredible comeback and moment. And they still have work to do. Stanford on Friday. Let's go. The Revenge Tour. Keep it rolling in Cary, North Carolina. Our thanks to today's guests, Trevor Maddich, Brecken Mazingo, and Olivia Wade Katoa. Sorry to Dennis, we ran out of time. For Jeremiah Spencer, shout out to Chloe Coulihan. BYU basketball, men's and women still undefeated. Did you know that, Jeremy? Go Cougs. <laughs>